Hello and welcome to Say That Again Slowly, the Cambridge Festival podcast where students at Cambridge University chat with the experts who have contributed to the festival. We try to pair up students with researchers and authors from very different disciplines to bring things back to basics. There are no stupid questions here. My name is Rebecca King. I'm a second year PhD student in the Faculty of English Literature studying the concept of dangerous magic on the early modern stage. Today I'll be interviewing Toby Garan and Lotta von Bake, who are postdocs at AstraZeneca Cambridge. So hello to both of you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, and uh, first of all, can you introduce yourselves? Um, who are you and um, what is it that you've come here to, to particularly talk to me about? So Lotta, if you go first. Yeah, thank you, Rebecca. So my name is uh, Lotte van Beek. I am originally from the Netherlands uh, and then I moved to the UK for uh, a PhD, uh, which was in York. And then I uh, stayed around and moved to a postdoc position at AstraZeneca. So I'm currently in the structural biology team and I try to understand how our body repairs DNA and uh, I really like science in general, um, for example, because uh, I like elucidating the mechanism, so the why behind uh, the, the, the DNA repair problem, for example. Mm. And here at AstraZeneca, you have the opportunity to do just that. And, and not only can you um, investigate interesting scientific problems, but the results can also directly impact patients worldwide. That sounds amazing. What an incredible line of work to be in. Um, and uh, and Toby, what about you? Are you doing a similar similar area? Are you in a similar field? Hi, yes. Yeah, so um, I'm Toby Gurren. And yes, yeah, so I'm also on the um, AstraZeneca postdoc scheme, um, but I'm more computational based at the moment. So um, I work in the uh, AstraZeneca, it's called the Early Computational Oncology Group. So I specialize in oncology, um, which is one of the disease areas that AstraZeneca um, investigates. And the, the, the main aim of applying kind of computational analyses to cancer is that you know, there's 3 billion um, DNA bases in your genome. Um, and what you want to look for in cancer is look for patterns and recurring patterns of mutations. And then that will allow you to say, right, these this subset of patients will have these similar mutations, therefore we can target them with one therapy or this um, cohort has a different uh, pattern. And if you had to look through those by hand, if three billion letters would be the equivalent to um, a stack of telephone directories about as high as a person. So it's just impossible. And that's for one single individual. You want to you need to look at hundreds or even thousands of patients to find these patterns. So you have to apply computational algorithms to search through these kind of um, these 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 uh, genetic data. And that, that's one of the things I'm working on in my postdoc. Incredible. Amazing. I've got so many questions about all of that. Um, but before I um, ask you any more, I, I should mention that um, one of the reasons you're here today is because there's a really exciting opportunity coming up um, at AstraZeneca. And, and can you explain um, maybe, Lotha, if you uh, if you talk a bit more about what the R&D postdoctoral challenge is and who it's, who it's yes. aimed at? So this R&D postdoctoral challenge is aimed at scientists who are just finishing their PhD or MD or are already uh, um, in a postdoc. Um, so it's within five years of finishing your PhD or MD. And we are looking for uh, bright minds with a proposal um, for a postdoc project that you would like to do at AstraZeneca. And 
it's basically the uh, dragon's den for scientists. <laughs> Amazing. So <laughs> uh, it can be on anything related to patients eventually. So you can cover any part of the patient journey, have a really good idea, want to explore a new technique, um, as long as eventually you want to have this impact on, uh, on healthcare or on patients. Uh, so it can be big, it can be small, um, it can be anywhere in the world to apply. Uh, the program is about three years, um, so two plus one generally, uh, and it's going to be driven by, by the proposals. So the, the interesting ideas that come in. Um, we also look at the person behind the applica application, uh, their skills, uh, their fit with the work, what drives them and what they want to achieve. So the deadline to submit proposals is the 26th of May, um, after which uh, AstraZeneca scientists will look through the, uh, the uh, proposals. And then in October, I think, at the end of the year, there are live uh, finals in Gothenburg, which is one of our R&D locations, where you have to pitch your project uh, to the panel. And then based on that, uh, you might be awarded uh, a fully funded uh, postdoc position at AstraZeneca to pursue your projects. Well, so it really is like Dragon's Den, you've got to stand up and present. <laughs> yes, so um, the, the way the postdoc scheme has run previously, so the, the scheme that myself and Lotte are on at the moment, was um, researchers, researchers within AstraZeneca would have a, a project that they wanted to investigate. Maybe they never quite had the time to get around to it, or maybe it was slightly more experimental than their core work. And so they put forward a proposal for a postdoc and then we'd adver they'd advertise that position and postdocs would apply. So that's how myself and Lotte have, have got around to it. But what they wanted to do this year is kind of flip that on its head and not say, let's have proposals internally. They said, let's open it up to you know, any scientist anywhere in the world who has a, a question they want to research. And then they send them into AstraZeneca. And if, if they align with our um, kind of therapy areas and um, if they're, you know, the, the core question is, are they, are they going to make an impact to patients' lives and to you know, people with clinical unmet need? And yeah, then as Lottie said, they'll collect, they'll collect, I think the 10 uh, best proposals will then go on to a live kind of um, pitching competition later on in the year. Amazing. Um, and you mentioned, so you sort of talked talk about um, within, the, um, within the areas, the treatment areas that you study. So for someone like me, who is a complete lay person, doesn't know anything really about um, the field of medical research. Um, I've heard of the name AstraZeneca now. <laughs> um, you suddenly become more famous. Um, and um, but I don't really know much about what goes on, particularly at Cambridge. Um, how broad how broad is the stuff that AstraZeneca is researching and what kinds of areas are being particularly scrutinized at the moment? You mentioned cancer. Yeah, so so I, I work in the, in the oncology department um, and on oncology is, is, is one of the, the main um, therapy areas we focus on. But um, AstraZeneca has, has a really broad range, as I said. So kind of the, the ethos of AstraZeneca is to go after the most serious diseases and those with currently the most serious unmet need. Um, so this ranges from um, things like um, chronic heart disease, kidney disease, um, metabolic disorders, um, respiratory disorders. Uh, so they get grouped together into a, a, a department called biopharma. And then we have another side of the business, which is mainly oncology. Um, but then we have uh, ongoing interests in, in, in lots of other areas. So we recently partnered with a company called Alexion, whose actual speciality is looking at really rare diseases, so really rare um, genetically inherited diseases, um, 
and uh, so that's kind of expanded the, the range of, of interest for AstraZeneca massively. Um, and then uh, obviously um, since the, the pandemic, AstraZeneca has become involved with um, developing and manufacturing the, the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. So that's again expanded the, the, um, the interests. So AstraZeneca has a really broad interest across multiple disease spaces. So with the postdoctoral challenge, we're looking for people to kind of submit any um, proposal for a project related to any of those diseases or kind of almost anything in between as well that's just as long as it's related to her making a difference to patients lives and it's, it's going to answer a, a really thoroughly answer a scientific question. What you mentioned just then made me think of a, a question that I've been asking a couple of the science, scientific guests, the science guests um, that we've been talking to. I've been asking a lot of the scientists about creativity and imagination because it's something that I care about a lot from you know my background in literature and it, it strikes me as being quite important here you're asking for somebody who is ambitious and innovative who's got you know who's, who's coming up with something new and um, Lotta can you talk a bit more about about that aspect about the innovation required not not just for this project but at AstraZeneca in, in general how does you know how important is it to come to AstraZeneca with a creative mind? Yeah I think everyone really thinks out of the box and we're not just trying to solve today's problems but also to address tomorrow's problems and um, in some of those cases um, innovation is really key it can put you forward it can speed up things for example the data analysis which Toby mentioned um, so in that sense, yes, you do have to be very creative and it's it's daily troubleshooting of, I don't know, equipment or problems or logistical issues that you run into. Uh, it can be anything uh, which you can in which you can express your creativity as a scientist. And I think within the POSHA program that's um, exhibited by the fact that all the postdocs are very um, ambitious, as you already mentioned. Uh, they're very talented at what they do and each trying to investigate their own scientific problem and drive it forward to achieve a solution which is going to be benefiting patients um, and we are also quite international so that really gives a different vibe to working with everyone uh, you might get different insights from different areas of the world um, which you hadn't thought about before uh, so, yeah, coming to work and working with other postdocs is just really fun. Um, you can always give each other tips. Uh, so we do presents in, in monthly meetings. But also if you run into each other in the lab corridor with a problem, you can usually get a solution from someone. So, uh, yeah, the vibrancy and the creativity is really, uh, yeah, that's what I really enjoy about being a postdoc at AstraZeneca. It's lovely and it sounds a bit like a university environment as well where you can have interesting conversations in the in the dining hall and things like that in terms of the kind of the, the end goal that somebody applying to this postdoctoral challenge should have in mind is it always going to be eliminating a disease so um in in the field of oncology um the the the, the challenge of curing cancer is is such a huge challenge because it's actually an extremely heterogeneous disease um you know there's at least 200 or more known annotated types of cancer and that to some extent comes from the different cell cellular types in your body from which tumors can arise and the different organs and different tissues 
So um, curing cancer is one sentence is, 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 is too large a project for any one person or one team. So what, what we focus on AstraZeneca is, is breaking it down into um, disease subtypes and areas of, of, of a specific um, condition. Um, for instance, some of our main uh, drivers are, are uh, lung cancer and breast cancer, where we still have some of our core specialty. But even, even lung cancer is not a single disease. There's multiple different subtypes of lung cancer from uh, which can arise from um, different subcellular populations and um, be caused by different factors. And then even within those subtypes, uh, there might be different, as I talked about, genetic patterns. Some cancers will be driven by one mutation, some will be driven by another mutation. So, so the aim um, for each, each project is to go after a specific subtype and find the absolute best medicine for and apply it to the, the right patients. So um, if, if you go back in time to the early days of cancer research, there was a lot of focus on chemotherapy. So chemotherapies are often drugs which stop cells dividing and growing. And you'll dose that throughout the entire body and it'll kill the cancer cells to some extent, but that's why people get very sick from chemotherapy. The tissues that you need to regenerate, um, such as your hair, your skin, your intestinal tract, they also get attacked by the chemotherapy. So the way, the way that um, companies like AstraZeneca are trying to target cancer these days is, is by providing these more targeted therapies, which will only attack a cell which has a certain mutation. And then that way, you know, none of the other cells in the body have that mutation because they're not cancer. So if you just target that mutation, then it should only kill that cancer cell. And those drugs are typically can, can typically be more tolerated than the chemotherapy. So in that respect, they can both help to treat the disease, but also help to treat the disease in a more manageable way and beneficial way for the patient. That makes sense. So it's a sort of a refinement of, a, of an existing um, kind of a cure, I guess. Does chemotherapy count as a cure? I don't know if I'm using the, the words correctly. <laughs> it, it is always difficult in oncology uh, to call something curative or not. What you tend to look at is, um, not to become too morose, you, you, you look at things in terms of five-year survival or 10-year survival. You know, if, if, if a drug can increase the five-year survival by a certain percentage, you were taken across a cohort of patients, then that's seen as a significant improvement in, in life. So, but then another real challenge of, of, of oncology, and one of the things which makes it such a, an interesting and a challenging area to, um, to research is also tumours just by their nature evolve. Mm. So if you apply a drug to a tumour, then that supplies a selective pressure and if cells gain another mutation, which might help them revert from that mutation. So I might be getting too deep just into the oncology here, but what we also always think about is um, what would the potential resistance mechanisms be to a drug? Is there a way the tumors can escape from this target? And then also, is there another way we can target to stop them escaping, et cetera? So you take all these considerations into account when you're looking at a specific project. Really interesting. Lotta, do you have any examples that are similar, maybe that aren't from the field of oncology? Um, so one of the achievements, I think, which uh, AstraZeneca can be very proud of at the moment is uh, our response to the pandemic, which we've had recently. So um, it was really um, taking the expertise from the various teams that we have working together and making things happen very quickly. And uh, that has, for example, generated the uh, COVID vaccine together with the University of Oxford, uh, but also uh, we set up a diagnostic testing center within six weeks together with the University of Cambridge and GSK. Uh, and I think these are examples of where 
you have to play to each other's strengths to achieve something big, which um, seems unbeatable uh, when you haven't started tackling it. And this is in some ways is applicable to this postdoc challenge as well. Um, for anyone who wants to apply, I can recommend to look at your strengths and how you can leverage them to create impact for patients and think also about what the synergy would be uh, if you would be working with AstraZeneca. So as Toby, uh, Toby described, we have these um, core therapy areas where we have lots of experts in the field, uh, but also the, the challenges can address problems outside those um, uh, to, to still benefit patients. So, um, so think big is definitely um, the recommendation, but also try and keep it realistic. So in the proposal, you would also be asked to provide a timeline uh, of work to be done within the three years and approximately how long each of the steps take, um, but don't, don't be limited. Yeah, great advice. And I, just when you're describing that, I can't even imagine, coming from my field, Renaissance literature, which is distinctly um, less useful <laughs> in a practical sense. Um, I can't imagine being part of a, a field where I, you know, was would suddenly have to respond to a, a pandemic the way that you did. I wonder whether you can talk a bit more about what it was like, what, what it's been like during the last few years. You talked about how AstraZeneca is this really great um, environment. You have these interesting conversations. You can work through problems with each other. What was it like when all of that was supercharged by the incredible pressures of living through a pandemic? Um, Toby, what, what about you? What do, what do you think? <laughs> well, I, I think I might let Lottie take that question again, because uh, as I said, I'm, I'm more specialty in, in the oncology. Um, yeah, Lottie has some experience of, of that other side of the of kind of the, um, the therapy areas. So it didn't really affect your side of things. It wasn't, you didn't feel the pressure as much. Well, um, so when, when the pandemic first hit, um, I knew I, I didn't have any particular specialty in, um, in virology. You know, I was focused on oncology and I had my project and um, so, some, some scientists I know, particularly some people from academic backgrounds. So for instance, people back at the university where I did my PhD, people were kind of scrambling to switch fields or not scrub, but to apply maybe their insights that they had from their work. Can it be applied to the pandemic? You know, can any of the analytical techniques they develop be applied not just to, you know, a metabolic disease, but to a, to a, um, a virology disease? Um, but I, I, I kind of took the decision at the time that I thought, given I, I had really little virology, specific virology experience, I thought, I'll just, I'll just stay in my lane and I'll keep working on what I'm working on and um, progress it as, as far as I can. Um, and um, so that, that, was, that was a track I took. You know, given how long the pandemic has then gone on for, I'm now thinking, oh, should I have tried to change up a little bit at the start? And then maybe by now I would be an expert. Um, but I suppose I made that decision at the time. But then as, you, as, as Lottie said, um, we're lucky at AstraZeneca to have so many experts. And um, also AstraZeneca has, has a real passion for you know, collaborating with the right experts as well. So, you know, um, uh, you know the Mene, um, was in contact with with the Oxford group uh, that I think was the Jenner Institute at Oxford who um, had developed this um, system for producing um, vaccines and he said right let's partner with them ASAP and get them on board and you know kind of combine AstraZeneca's experience of large-scale manufacturing and large-scale clinical trials with the the um, 
development from that lab. So I think you know partnering with the right people is 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 another um, key facet that that is really important these days in in, in the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it also sounds. I mean, you know, you're still studying a disease that will be there when hopefully COVID <laughs> finally shuffles away. Um, and Lotte, what about you? Um, so you were maybe more in the deep end of things. Uh, it sounds like uh, during the pandemic. Well, yeah, so during the pandemic, everyone had to, um, we had to prioritize work that was done in the lab and prioritize COVID projects, which I wasn't directly involved in, uh, which meant that if you weren't working on those projects, you were sent home like everyone else. Um, so um, that posed a challenge, of course, for everyone's postdoc projects, because um, my project is mainly lab based. And of course, if you can't go to the lab to do that, then you have to rethink. Uh, so that's why uh, I was quite keen to get involved uh, with um, setting up this diagnostic test center uh, together with the University of Cambridge and GSK. And uh, yeah, I have had some brilliant experiences working with uh, people across these organizations towards a common goal. Uh, and it was very rewarding. Um, but as Tony said, cancer doesn't stand still in terms of co when, when COVID hits. So other, other areas had to progress as well at the same time. It's, it's quite challenging. You have your workload and then you add on a pandemic. So it's challenging to manage. <laughs> Well done to both of you for all the work that you're carrying on uh, doing. I bet you're sick of questions to do with COVID, so I'll, I'll put that to one side for now. Um, but yeah, so going back to the, the challenge itself, um, I, I, there was a, a phrase in the literature, um, it used the phrase complex disease. And I wonder just for, a, again, for a layperson, what counts as a complex disease? Put simply, complex diseases are diseases which are heterogeneous, as Toby said earlier. Um, so patients have similar symptoms, but the cause of those symptoms is different. And that's why they might need different treatment options. And um, that's why you really need to understand the underlying factors that cause a disease. So... Um, that is still a big problem in the pharmaceutical industry um, to really identify those diseases because you need to identify the uh, or origins of those diseases. So you really need to dig very deep in all the data uh, to find it. Um, so for the postdoctoral challenge, um, if your idea is aligned to any of the therapy areas, then um, of course, we have a bigger support network to help your project progress faster. But again, if it's not um, very broad science is achieved and um, all, covering all the topics um, is, is important to progress, uh, to help patients on, on their journey to uh, feeling better. Yeah, the kind of the scope of a postdoc project could be lots of different things. And as Lotte was saying, um, given how complex certain diseases can be, you know, um, a postdoc project might address a very fundamental aspect of biology. You know, you might want to discover why a certain cell type, um, you know, um, correlates to a certain tumor type or what um, the role of a particular gene that is mutated in a cancer is and or what the, the structure of a gene is so that we know better how to target it with a drug. So, um, you know, the, the topic of curing a huge disease you know, can be broken down into thousands of smaller steps. And so, if your postdoc project would help, if, if your postdoc proposal would would answer 
one or multiple of these scientific questions which would help you remove some of the impediments to progressing to curing a disease, you know, to understanding why this cell type is important, therefore we should encourage that cell type to grow and not a different cell type, um, or how the immune system um, reacts to this particular tumour type and not a different tumour type. You know, um, so if you were a PhD or an MD or a, an early career postdoc, you might have experience from your past research of a certain pathway or a certain disease type or a certain, a certain lab. And so, yeah, if you have um, a question you want to answer and take further um then you know get in touch with AstraZeneca send us that proposal and we'll see if it aligns with our with our with our goals um so yeah that's the kind of thing you could you, you could put into your applications so uh, maybe uh Lotta can you before I say goodbye can you remind us of the details of this competition if anyone's been listening to this and their appetite has been uh, whetted uh, what what should they do then I would recommend you go to the R&D postdoctoral challenge AstraZeneca website um, look at the details on this program. So it's for people in their last year of their PhD or MD and five years following that uh, in postdoctoral research. Uh, Wilson, so you write a proposal uh, and then you go through a Dragon's Den style competition on uh, getting it fully funded. Um, if successful, you can join AstraZeneca and get access to all our resources, molecules, experts, techniques uh, to make your project a reality. And uh, you will also be uh, either you can bring a mentor or so an academic mentor or um, we find one uh, together with you who can help you on this journey. Um, it's a three year program. And if you want to submit your proposal, um, the deadlines for that is the 26th of May. Amazing. And Toby, do you have any final words of advice and wisdom for any applicants? Uh, yes. So, so just to mention, um, you know, this this proposal can be from pretty much any area of science which is going to relate to improving the lives of patients. Obviously, I've talked a lot about oncology because that's my personal um, personal um, area of expertise, but there's also, we investigate lots of other chronic uh, diseases affecting multiple other tissues and organs, um, such as heart disease, um, kidney disease, lung, um, et cetera. You can, you can look at AstraZeneca's website as well to see our, our core focus areas and where we're, we're interested in um, developing uh, new medicines for. And yes, so um, I would say, you know, uh, have, have a good idea of the scope of your project when you apply. You know, we want to have a realistic, um, really realistically achievable goal for as you for what you can do within within the three years of your postdoc scheme. Um, you know, so if you're trying to answer a really specific question about how does a molecule work, what's the structure of a gene, what um, is a cell population doing within a certain tissue or a certain disease, etc. Um, and one other thing I, I wanted to mention actually was. Um, so AstraZeneca are really keen on publishing um, in you know, the scientific literature. So um, maybe historically, uh, decades ago, pharmaceutical companies were, were quite closed and they could be a bit guarded with their secrets. But actually, what companies have realized is that the best way to make the, the most rapid advances to help patients is to, to partner externally and to you know, gain ideas and experience from academics and external researchers. So that's why they started the postdoc scheme in the first place, you know, the collaborative in academia and industry. And um, so, so if, if you're a, a researcher who's on, on an academic career track and you're thinking of doing a postdoc in between maybe aiming to go on and become a professor, um, doing the postdoc scheme at AstraZeneca, you know, one of the main goals is to publish. We, we want you to, to create work which will be, be publishable and shareable. So um, 
if your focus is an academic career, don't be put off about coming and doing a three-year postdoc within AstraZeneca as part of your eventual career path. You know, we're we're all about um, you know publishing and, and getting research out there. So yeah, don't let that put you off uh, for any reason. Amazing. Thank you both so much. I'm really envious of just how. Uh, purposeful and impactful your research is and it, it's quite exciting to think there might be someone listening to this who's going to um, maybe maybe win and uh, come and um, help to bring down one of these big bad diseases um, that you're fighting. So thank you so much um, and I'll say goodbye for now. Bye. Thanks very much. Bye. Make sure to follow the Cambridge Festival on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube for more fascinating events and follow the Say That Again Slowly podcast for more conversations with experts on body image, time travel, aliens, counter speech and much more. Thanks for listening.